Welcome to another episode of the Flow Road Podcast. This is Edgar Otra Vez. And today on the show, my co-hosts will be not my cousin Dan and and the very funny comedian Emily. On today's show, we have the amazing and very funny comedian Matt Drufke, who is also a writer who happens to write for the fancyboysclub.com. It was great having him on the show. He's really knowledgeable about movies. Uh, I I thoroughly enjoyed having him on, and it was a packed house today. I hope you guys really enjoyed the uh, the back and forth between us all, because I did. It, it was a great it was a great time. Interesting and fun dynamic to have somebody like Matt Drovke, who's a comedian. I I, pre- I pretty much laughed the whole time. But anyway, um, I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. Now, if you want to support the podcast, you can head on over to theflowroadpodcast.com and check out more of our content and buy some stuff at our store. We have mugs, we have throw pillows, we have bathroom curtains, we got all that stuff. Also, you can find us on Instagram as theflowroll. Now on with the show. So, welcome to the Flow Roll Podcast. I am Edgar Otraves, and today my co-hosts are not my cousin Dan and, very, and the very funny comedian, Emily. And today, we have a special guest, Matt Drufke, from the... Uh, did I say it wrong? You know, you nailed it. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> nailed it. You smiled like I screwed it up, but I was like, oh, yeah. fuck that up. <laughs> no, I'm Drufke, who is the fanciest of the fancy boys. Yes. Yeah. From it's the a fancy-, fancy name, too. It's a fancy oh. name. It's a very Polish name. Uh, <laughs> well, he he's uh, he, the, the reason we say he's yeah. fancy is because he comes from the fancyboysclub.com which is a blog where you guys talk about movies and other stuff. It's- yeah, movies and pop culture and whatever just kind of uh, uh, tickles our fancy, getting all kinds of weird little things. So uh, I've written, a, uh, I got a piece coming out uh, later this week about uh, how weird Mark Wahlberg is and uh, how, <laughs> how Mark Wahlberg is one of those guys who like in a movie uh, says he's a flawed character, but all of his flaws are like, I'm too good at sex and I love dogs. Too much, and it's like those aren't flaw. No, not flaw. <laughs> if you could do a regular uh, Tom Cruise um, like update on your blog, I'm sure you oh. can get a very uh, uh, you can get someone to read it regularly. I loved his uh, I loved his blowout when with filming that Mission Impossible stuff where he was like, we're not fucking around. Like this is my money. You're not letting me get money. Yeah, yeah. No, I have I'm... to. I owe my church a lot of money. Leave <laughs> <laughs> Tom alone. Oh, oh hey, she's I... seething. She's seething. Yeah. I actually love. I have multiple times. I've called Tom Cruise the last, uh, the last true movie star, like the last guy who his name alone is going to bring you in like ninety million dollars. Uh, and I don't think we're ever going to yeah. see that again. Holy no, shit. I, I have all yeah. the respect for Tom Cruise. How do we get Tom Cruise on the podcast? Uh, $90 million. $90 million. Yeah. yeah. Who do you know in the Church of Scientology? 
Uh, <laughs> oh, they they actually still handwrite letters to me, the branch in Chicago, and they send them to my mother's address and they want me back, but they never had me. So that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I right. did go I did go into the Scientology Center in Chicago once and it was just because I was writing something about it for my school newspaper at DePaul and uh, they took my information and they they weren't going to let go of it. And uh, when I said I was a writer, one of the people actually said, well, I hope you're not writing anything about us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, scared the shit out of me. And no, I ran I, the hell out of there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah kind of surprised that they didn't like peg you as a journalist and like immediately just either storm you out of the building or, you know, throw you in the dungeons. Eat my flesh. Yeah. <laughs> I never went into the, the, the Scientology Center, but I did go into the Christian Science Reading Room once. Hmm. Oh, uh, the Christian Science Reading Room is not interesting. It's, yeah. it's literally that. It's, it's a it's, room. It's a book. The, the, with, the good one. And a lot of a lot of copies of the Christian Science Monitor. And you're welcome to sit in there and read. Have you heard about the Creationism Museum? In uh, I've oh. been to the Creationism Museum. No way. I did a show uh, once yeah, with with uh, my friend Nate at uh, comedy caravan in louisville mm -hmm. and while we were on our way to louisville we were like well we gotta go because <laughs> it's 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 just outside of uh it's not too far from louisville yeah yeah and i think more people go to be like well we gotta see what the hell is up here's that actually thing, go, man, then actually are like oh no i believe people that's what we assumed too and that was not the case Oh, oh no! I mean, it was packed, and oh. everyone who was there was like, "Oh, so this is how it really happened." Oh it, man! And and <laughs> I don't the the exhibits. So you walk in, and the lobby. I'm not making this up. The lobby is like Adam and Eve and their little kids playing with velociraptors. Yep. I've seen pictures. Are you serious? I mean, it's yes. It, because uh, so the creationism museum is based on the theory that the Bible is a literal work of truth. Mm -hmm. And so mathematicians have like done the ages of how old the earth would be based on how old everyone was. And based on that, the earth only has to be like six, the earth can only be 6,000 years old, mm -hmm. which means that, and also means that like the first people were around the beginning of earth. So when there are people and we know there are dinosaurs, so people and dinosaurs had to coexist in some way. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wacky and wild. Um, so they're saying that Fred Flintstones yeah. for real. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. My ex lives there, and uh, I had so it's at the museum forever. <laughs> I was gonna say that. I was gonna. Say he polishes the dinosaurs. Uh, <laughs> he is one of the dinosaurs. <laughs> Just a guy in a bar. Dare you? <laughs> so our unusual love. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I've been meaning to go there. I've been to Louisville a thousand times and I've never been. Um, and I feel bad for you, Dan, because I think it would have been amazing if you just looked right and left and you were surrounded by people who were also mocking it. Oh, I wish. Although I did take, a, I had my friend Nate take a picture of me. They have these like triceratopses that you can ride on. 
and I and I'm riding on the triceratops, <laughs> and I put it on Facebook with a caption that said, "Just like Jesus used to do." <laughs> <laughs> My mom got really mad at me when she came to my place and saw I had a magnet of Jesus riding a brontosaurus. She was just very upset. And I'm like, it's so ridiculous. How could you be upset about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but seriously. she's a very devout Catholic and I no longer am. So there oh, we go. Yeah. Matt, I know you probably don't know this, but I'm an illustrator and I can't wait to get off this podcast and draw <laughs> Jesus on top of a of a dinosaur oh yeah absolutely just the, like oh, the way with a saddle and everything oh <laughs> yeah the oh, way the, the way the good book intended yes yeah yeah so yeah. wait was this podcast about velociraptors remind me what we're talking oh, about today. oh yeah no no there, we do have a topic today uh, uh <laughs> it's uh, no we're, we're supposed to talk about uh coming to america uh Part two. The follow up. The, the follow up to the seminal Eddie Murphy work. What a terrible title this sequel has, because <laughs> it just has the num- the word two as the number two. Yeah. So anyone talking about it is doomed. Like this yes. film. This film could have zero word of mouth because you just have to yeah. be like, oh, it looked better in writing, right? Like that. <laughs> <laughs> personally offended by numbers in sequel titles anyway so how did you feel about seven you know what i didn't realize until later years after loving that movie that that's how it was actually spelled out and it made me very angry (laughs) (laughs) god damn you brad pitt god damn you seven yeah that's such a damn good movie though i actually i've talked on another podcast about the fact that i've made that head in the box reference a couple times and when people around me just out in the world get it it makes me so happy but when people (laughs) don't get it it's very awkward (laughs) (laughs) yeah i I could see that being awkward yeah just a little bit So no no heads in boxes in coming to America. I don't no no. <laughs> I mean I only watched it once. I watched it and then I I went back and and rewatched the original, just for a little bit of context. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think there are any heads in boxes in either. No. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure there isn't. I unless I blinked and you know it popped in someplace. But yeah. So like, what do you guys think of this movie? Like uh, Matt, you- I. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, I was really, really looking forward to a Samuel L. Jackson cameo in this because he was in the first one uh, as oh, the right. robber that robbed that robbed McDowell's. And I was really looking forward to that. And I was watching like on the edge of my seat the whole time for when is Samuel L. Jackson going to pop up? And that didn't happen. That doesn't mean it's a bad movie. It just means <laughs> that I was disappointed because my own expectations that I projected onto the movie were not met. I mean, here's the, here's the thing is that I don't, I don't think you can call this movie a good movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the, in the very, in just a, a very nature of, if you're looking at a film and says like, Oh, is it good? Is it bad? It's not good. Uh, I don't think it's bad, but I do think it's fun. Yes. And I think fun yeah. Yeah. gets this movie so far. Uh, yeah. The fact that like it is being um, very uh, playful with the the first movie uh, that there's a, a, a McDowell's 
uh, in Africa, that the, uh, that there mm-hmm. is, that there's a lot of, uh, that James Earl Jones is back, that Louis Anderson, Arsenio Hall, like the, so yeah. many Speaking people have come which, back. I thought James Earl Jones was dead. As you watch oh. The Lion King. <laughs> You're like, I thought his brother <laughs> threw him off a cliff and it's like, no, when that's... they die in movies, they die in real life. I actually believe that as a child. Uh, yeah. Wait, but you know, Dan, you're not the only one. I've had a couple friends say the same thing, like not in a slightly humorous way. They were like, wait, James Earl Jones is, oh, okay. <laughs> Terrible. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel bad about it. I mean, he, are you trying to make me feel even more bad about it? Yeah, I mean, I guess. But he has had an interesting James Earl Jones because I, I'm trying last year, two years ago when he did the Lion King remake, they mm-hmm. just had him read all of his lines from the first movie as old James Earl Jones. Like I don't know why they <laughs> did. It's so it was so nice to see this movie had such a, a comfort for someone who loved Eddie Murphy and particularly that era of Eddie Murphy, like I was looking at his filmography before I hopped on. And this is like right at the end of unfuckwithable Eddie Murphy. Like the movie he did right before this was raw. So like wow. he, yeah, yeah, he was just yeah. crushing everything kind of yeah. up until this it, point. Eddie then, Murphy was just totally golden, literally uh, and figuratively the golden child. Yeah. And this is like his last great movie. And then like after that, you see stumbles with like Harlem Nights and other films like that. But this is such a... Yeah. Like it's based on such a wonderful work and uh, look, there are lots of elements I don't like about this film and we can certainly get into those, but there is something so comforting about some, about people taking you into a world that you know and you like, you know? And like, you know, and the director, it's Craig Brewer. He's Academy Award nominated. He's not fucking around. Like he knows how to do his job. So like this film does, it's it checks off every nostalgia box and that went of like that's the reason why i finished this movie mm. yeah yeah right. it, it approached the storytelling aspect of this uh film instead of focusing on just eddie May- eddie murphy's character uh it it kind of made it an ensemble right mm-hmm. so yeah. it, there was so i for me that was kind of interesting i didn't realize it till halfway through the movie i was like oh okay i see what you're doing yeah it's not it's not just about i I think i even told you that you did did you i don't yeah i told you they weren't the two centers of the story oh yeah okay this this was sort of like uh eddie murphy's clerks too right oh yeah 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 revisiting kind of his is this masterpiece university created way back when and then bringing bringing the entire universe back 30 years later, you know? And we know what that looked like, right? It was no clerks, certainly. But there was that nostalgia, which I think right now, just, I hate to say, in the times we're living in um, for that 1,000th time. But, like, in the last year, I know I've watched TV shows and movies again and again that I liked as a kid because it comforts me, you know, when mm-hmm. I most need it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, don't, I don't understand the, all the hate that this movie got. Like, apparently people really dislike this movie. I'm like, why? Like, what? what's wrong with it? Like, I mean, I, I can see what's wrong with it. But I mean, come on. Like, like you're saying, Matt, this is a fun movie. Let's just. Yeah. 
I mean, enjoy it for the, what it is. And the other word I would use to describe this movie is harmless, which is not a good adjective. Like, you know what I mean? Like, no one wants their movie to be known as harmless. But like, <laughs> this movie does nothing to upset people. Like, it makes its jokes. You get its character. Like, you know, Eddie Murphy's going to be six guys. You know, Arsenio is going to come back in a couple. Like, it just does the things it needs to do. Does it do it in an interesting way? No. Does it do it in an original way? No. Like, yeah. if if I'm if I'm just purely wearing like a film critic cap, right? Like if I'm wearing Emily's reporter hat when she's going into Scientology, like <laughs> I'd have to say like, this movie does nothing. It's not an original idea. I didn't care for it, but like, it's not, yeah. People acted like this movie, like murdered their mom. And it, you know, <laughs> it didn't that's, so calm down. That's just kind of how it is though. Now it's, everything there there is no yeah it's all right everything is either i hated it and it infuriated me and burn it burn it in hell and uh you know i hate it with the passionate heat of a thousand suns or i love it and it's the best thing i ever saw there's there's really no in between anymore yeah uh, it's hard to have a scorching take when your idea is like it's fine right that's yeah, not yeah. like <laughs> and I mean, like there, there, there were things in the movie where I'm watching it and I'm like, oh, oh, that, that's a little bit uncomfortable. Um, you know, in yeah. in terms of, in in terms of context being 2021, right? Mm -hmm. But you go, the movie was made from out of a context of, yeah, we're we're going to be po poking fun at outdated, silly stereotypes. You know what I mean? I liked um, the line about Bill Nye, the science guy. You know, your 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 guy, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I have to say, the one line that kind of got me, and I kind of had to do a like, I need to rewind this. Um, was um, when the son says, or no, um, Eddie Murphy says, "You walk like an American pimp." And he says, you dress like a slave from the future. Oh, it's Arsenio. It's Arsenio. It's Arsenio's character. And I'm like looking at his outfit and I'm like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know my fashion, but um, yeah, I, I just, I thought there were a couple of catchy lines. I felt though, like it was an overblown, almost like Bollywood-esque type movie, especially given all of the musical yeah. numbers. And about 70% of the way through, actually maybe 60%, I kind of, I think I got this from Matt a little bit, maybe. I was sort of losing interest and in not wanting to finish it at that point, which mm. is not good for a movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is um, not a long movie. Like, you know, like I think it's something like 110 minutes or like 100 minutes and it feels every one of those minutes. Like. Right. Yeah. Um, there, there's a couple of points in the movie where it feels like, okay, well we've reached a logical end point and, and then, then it's just, okay, we have to figure out something else to keep the story going, you know? Yeah. Um, and also, I mean, there's a lot of paint by numbers here. Like mm -hmm. it does feel like there have to be, uh, and I should say, uh, are we just giving spoilers up to the wit? Like, or are we, go for it. All right. It just felt like there had to be like, here's the, you know, here's the scene where like a guy learns his lesson, where his son learns his lesson. Mm. And here's the scene where yeah. Eddie Murphy learns his lesson. Like everyone had to, yeah, yeah, everyone kind of was given their moment. And those moments are fine, 
but again, like it felt very obvious where the film was going. Um, so, you know, and because of that, what it relies on is how much do you like this universe that Eddie Murphy, and look, Eddie Murphy wrote Coming to America. He's a writer on this film. Like you have to ask how much do you like this universe? I liked yeah. it enough to keep me going, but yeah. that's about all it did for me. I, I yeah, enjoyed I'm not- Eddie Murphy every time he was on screen, but I liked Wesley Snipes even more because his accent was very authentic sounding to me. You know, he sounds like he worked at it, whereas Eddie Murphy doesn't sound, he sounds the same as he did, you know, back from the first movie. I'm like, dude, can you not like work on the accent? <laughs> convincing (laughs) i don't think he would have changed it dramatically given that's what people are used to hearing you know yeah and i i'm willing to bet that that's also you know subtle and nuanced they're like i said before they're playing on stereotypes here you know and if the accent was too good and if it was too convincing it wouldn't be laughable yeah you know uh maybe i'm giving eddie murphy a little too much credit on that i don't know but per Wesley Snipes, General Izzy, I got such a kick out of that character. <laughs> Be, like, because every once in a while in a movie like this, they not just the actor, but the writing and, and the cinematography decides to go on some wacky lark that has nothing to do with any anything. Just somebody in the room must have said, you know what would be funny is if they this was like a nation of child soldiers who liked to dance. <laughs> so instead of marching, they dance. Wesley Snipes, Wesley Snipes is in a very fun renaissance. I thought he was also great in uh, in uh, Dolomite. My name is Dolomite from last oh, year. That movie. He is, huh. he is doing really fun work in really yeah. fun films. And yeah. uh, and I'm excited. Like he, he definitely was a nice uh, new part in this film. Like, I didn't necessarily need, like, I didn't necessarily care so much for the son or for Tiana Taylor, who was his love interest, mm. but like uh, uh, Wesley Snipes brought it. And yeah. like the thing I was thinking a lot about this film is, and you think a lot about this with sequels, which is like, why is this film being made? Cause I don't think there was a great demand of people no. trying to be like, where are these characters now? And like, and I also don't think you make this movie expecting it to be like a box office hit. I don't I don't think in normal times this is a 100 million dollar grossing movie. Yeah. I just it just honestly seemed like a bunch of people who made my name is Dolomite had a lot of fun and were like, "Well, let's make another movie. Like let's keep it yeah. going." Yeah. Yeah. And my name is Dolomite is one of the reasons I was actually sort of excited for this movie cuz that that Great was film. fantastic. Wonderful. It was fa- it was kind of a sin that Eddie Murphy didn't get nominated for anything for that movie. Mm, oh, absolutely. It, was, he, it was a fantastic movie. I mean, in terms of uh, Oscars, he's uh, not on good terms with those folks after all of the showgirls walking out and all of that nonsense. So uh, that doesn't surprise me. But that movie, I mean, that's miles away from this one, right? I mean, that yeah. movie is outstanding. And I do think that I think Eddie is like the the centering part. I mean, I know he's the lead character, so to speak, but I think that he is like the centering part of this movie because like someone else mentioned, like when he's on screen, I'm just like all for it. I'm like, yes, Eddie. But when I saw yeah. some of the other characters, the son, again, yeah. the love interest, um, there were some people that came in and out that just felt like they had to do it, right? And I, I just like Tracy Morgan, what 
purpose did he serve for anything? He was just there and to be I Tracy Morgan. Yeah. I know his yeah. his his, yeah. his line about the Lunchables. I was like, that's so just Tracy Morgan. <laughs> it's so strange, but like, well, what? and Leslie Jones is the exact same way. It's yeah. like she's very good in this. She's very funny in this. She has her lines, but there is also a question of like, why are you here? Like, I don't. Yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. People as they as wanted it... to work with. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. It. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I mean, Adam Sandler does the same thing. He gets all these characters and all oh, these, absolutely. these comedians and he keeps making these movies and he just just churns them out, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, I mean, if you're Adam Sandler or Eddie Murphy in this case, you just get your buddies together and just keep making money, you know? It's just not you see a- an Adam Sandler movie and Steve Buscemi is not in it, I will be very, very angry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. But now on you that same note, I, I will say that let's say we compare this movie to Hubie Halloween <laughs> coming to America is a better movie. That oh, is correct. So yeah. much so. I can't, I can't comment on Hubie ha- Halloween cause I fell asleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Rightfully oh. so. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I just, I, I'm old. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're old and you have kids. I, I'm old and I have kids and I can't stay awake for too long. That's something that Edgar and I were talking about um, before we started recording, which is just that I don't know how different I find this movie. I don't know how much I like it more or less if I'm watching it in a movie theater. Like, I think that the one thing COVID yeah. has affected is like now I can't, anytime I watch a movie, I'm, on my phone, I'm talking, I don't care if I'm talking to my wife, I'm going up, you know, I'm getting food. I have a a seven month old baby. So like we're stopping the movie seven or eight times. Like it's a much different experience than like sitting in a dark room and having the feet, like having the movie like overwhelm your eyesight. And so I think that like, so many movies I watched this year and I love movies, I'll watch 60, 70 movies a year. And so many movies I watched this year, when I w- went back to think, like, is this a good movie? My answer is like, oh, I have no idea. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's a, it's a, such a weird. It's a such a weird way that that things have changed. Like, is coming to America good? I don't know. Like, I I know that like I sat on my couch most of the time, but it's like Edgar. It's like what you said with Hubie Halloween. Did I fall asleep? I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Like I don't. <laughs> if I did, I picked up enough to catch how it ended. Like yeah. I. Yeah. Part of yeah. the also cinematic experience of watching a movie in a theater with other people. I mean, I personally don't like packed movie theaters. I don't like people right next to me that I don't know. I always sit away from people. Mm-hmm. But that idea of being in that space and taking the time to enjoy it and immerse yourself in it, that's just not something we're really doing right now. And even if you have an amazing home speaker and TV system, it's just not the same. And I remember going back to see like, all my favorite Harry Potter movies. I'm a Harry Potter dork. I go back, I go and see those movies like more than once and hear someone I don't know near me laugh at the same little thing I would laugh at or react in a similar way made me feel like I was bonding and part of this movie community. And now my movie community is myself and my cats. And that's pretty mm-hmm. yeah. exciting. Yeah. yeah. And the and cats may not laugh at everything. And you they've laugh. seen all your Harry Potter movies. So they <laughs> yeah. Many times, big fan. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, there, I, there, it, there is just something to be said about like how much it takes to get people to like get off their damn phones and just like yeah. enjoy an experience. And, and, and you know, because of that, like, uh, like one of my favorite movies last year was a movie called First Cow, which is a very slow movie about two dudes and a cow. 
Uh, I've just, I've described the whole movie. And the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this is boring and horrible. And it was only when I sat down and like, put my phone away and like just kind of like quietly sat and I didn't have my my sons with me that I could like sit and appreciate a film that I was like oh no there's a lot here that I didn't get to understand and recognize distractions yeah, distractions. yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah no that is a wonderful point because I mean movie theaters are going through something right now right yeah. and so it's just like you know some movies I mean movies in my movie theaters in my area are getting sh- shut down so mm-hmm. I'm there may not be a movie theater for me to go to in my area just because um, of what's going on but yeah I I I don't like I'm a, a little like Emily where I'm like I don't want people sitting next to me but I want people around me so they can laugh at like yeah. everything I'm laughing at you know well, and there's an immersive feature to going to see a movie in the theater you know you're for what Matt was saying, you're not pulling out your phone. You're not distracted. Mm-hmm. You are zeroed in on that movie. You're yeah. zeroed you're in on You're pulling out your movie. phone. I will be the person who will yeah. kill you. I will yeah. murder you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you know what? If I see someone's like, I mean, it's been a long time since I've been in a theater, but I see someone's light on their phone, checking their texts or whatever. I will turn around and death stare or say something. I'm that person. <laughs> it's a time when we're all supposed to be doing the same thing, looking yeah. ahead and enjoying the movie. Yeah. I yeah. went to, I remember going to that last Star Wars movie, which I didn't necessarily care for, but it is my favorite Star Wars is that last Star Wars, but only the one time I saw it in a full theater where the Lucasfilm credit goes up and two guys sitting right next to me try and start an applause break. They fail. I then begin laughing hysterically. (laughs) And the entire theater also then joins in as we laugh at those two ding dogs. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, this is the greatest movie experience of my life. (laughs) That's fantastic. If you've ever been to like a midnight screening too, there's just such a sense of community because everybody is there to see something they want to see early, right? Mm -hmm. Love it. Miss it. Do you guys remember the movie Artificial Intelligence? Yeah. Haley Joel Osment as the android child. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, like the when, last thing that Stanley Kubrick was part of. Yeah. Right. Yes. And Fielder. so I went with a couple of friends of mine to see that in the theater. And that movie ends three times. That like the movie comes to an end. It does. <laughs> and then it starts up again. And then it comes to an end again and starts up again. <laughs> and, when, and when I went to the movie, when we were in the movie theater, it was like opening night theater was packed. And every time, the first time, literally everybody in the movie theater got up and started to to leave. And then the movie starts up again. And then it, and then it, at the second time, same thing happened. Everybody's like, okay, I guess it's over. Because when I, when I say the movie ends, I mean, literally comes to, comes to a logical conclusion and fade to black. And there's a pause long enough for you to think, I guess it's over. It's anyway. Kubrick. It's Kubrick. I never got up. I knew that something else was coming. <laughs> what was the reason? Was it because Kubrick died during the writing of this? And then, yeah, he, and then Spielberg picked up and decided yeah. he wanted to add another piece to it? Is that what I, happened? I think that's part of it. I think that the, yeah. the Kubrick script ends... And a very depressing note. And Spielberg had to felt like he had to keep adding more. (laughs) He has to make everything happy. His whole thing is family. We've talked about this before, Edgar. Like a Spielberg movie is never not going to have that element. Like 
you've got the my boyfriend again, Tom Cruise, um, in um the remake of War of the Worlds. Like there's always an element there. Um, I don't know. My mind just went somewhere else. I don't know where it went. Continue. <laughs> I, got, so, I was thinking too much about Tom Cruise. Sorry. No, she, so she, she, we started think, thinking about Tom Cruise and we got lost in thought. Lost in my thought. <laughs> in, oh, Tommy. in the Kubrick version of Coming to America. <laughs> would there now be I a would scene, go to a theater to see that. Would there be a scene where Wesley Snipes as General Izzy is reading storybooks to his child army. I think they're very different types of storybooks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I think that's did you, know, you uh, did you guys see Jojo Rabbit by chance? Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I have fantastic. fantastic. Wonderful. That reminded me of kind of the kids all learning about their Nazi stuff. I don't know. It just kind yeah. of gave me that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Well that I mean, boy, that was that was maybe one of the first points in the movie where i was like what the what just happened he's he's are they like glorifying child are are they trying to make child soldiers like a soft and lovable family thing but i think in the end it's just no it's the batshit lunacy yeah yeah he's reading storybooks to his child soldiers like yeah and in that way it was one of the first times when the movie really tried to outshine the original material. Yeah. And, uh, and yeah. I respected him for taking that shot. Yeah. What about um, the barbershop scene? What do you guys think of that? Uh, I dig the barbershop scene in, in the sense of in the, in just like Eddie Murphy always does with like Dr. Doolittle and, and like it's Eddie Murphy's trademark where he has to have an excuse to have a scene where he's playing everybody. And those characters were, I mean, I was, I was more than a little bit surprised to see how spot on they were to what the original source material was. Uh, like they, they recreated those characters flawlessly. That it being in- said, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a little challenging. There's a little bit, there's, there's some challenging material there. Is it interesting that he is very soon going to be as old as the characters he's playing in that barbershop scene? (laughs) Yeah, right? I just felt like, yeah, I mean, he played, you know, multiple characters in that scene. And at first I didn't realize he was playing as many as he was, which I always find to be super, you know, again, he does this a lot though in films and I don't think it's always necessary, but I liked that film for the, or that scene for the nostalgic aspect of it. But beyond that, I felt like there was a lot of stuff that was cobbled together. It was like dance number, emotional family scene, comedy dance number. And I wasn't, and I was kind of like, I get what you're doing here. You're trying to hit these boxes, take these boxes for different people and make sure everyone's happy. But at the end of the day, then it kind of gets skewed and it's kind of a little bit of a mess. Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't have any expectation that this was going to transcend the genre of we're reboot. Basically we're rebooting a beloved property, you know? Um, so I didn't, I didn't have a lot of high expectations in terms of sophistication. So Fair. what do you, what do you guys think we'll get a three out of this? I don't know. A three uh, out of 
Coming like to a, America. A, coming oh, to America oh, three. Oh, we'll you get know. a we'll come coming in three to, America? Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was like, e- am I getting it three stars? <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, like, we're gonna get a, a third sequel to to this franchise. I think I'm I think that this movie would have had to have a theatrical run yeah. and do well for that to happen. And for the record, I mean it it could have. Again, if the world is normal, this is a, a major film with an entire uh, you know, entirely African American cast. Like, I think that there's something, uh, there's something about that that is going to draw an audience in. It again, it's based on a source material that everyone loves. I think that could get people in. It's possible that I'm wrong that this movie would have made two hundred million dollars. And then, yeah, they're gonna make another. You know, Eddie Murphy has never shied away from making mm. a sequel to something that's worked for him before. Mm. Um, so I, yeah, I think that the, I think that could have happened. I don't know if that this, which I think just had a release on Amazon. I don't know that that, that that happens now. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't see it. Uh, number one, cause nobody was looking for this to begin with, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's not like there's a clamoring throng for a coming to America franchise. Um, who knows? Cause I mean, I there's mean, no reason not to like a movie like this. I guarantee you they made it on a, on a light budget, you know, didn't didn't cost a lot of money to make and his production company was the top company that produced it too so i'm just curious how they're making money with with the with the streaming because i mean with with the traditional hollywood movies you make more money like the people who actually uh, invest in them in the movie start making more money with the sequels the first one kind of just and correct me if i'm wrong about this but the first one just kind of is kind of like to break the even and then and then you don't really start making like the actors for example don't actually start making big money until they start making more sequels which kind of like i don't know how the contracts work but and now with streaming and things like that i I, i'm not sure where this puts this movie like if three could even go back to the theaters and and make real money at that point i think that's the best part of your point is the end point which is I don't see it doing well in theaters since the second one was not released in theaters. So it doesn't make sense to even release it in theaters, the third one, but why wouldn't they, if we are back to some sort of sense of normalcy? Yeah. I mean, and Edgar, to your point, if this was a movie that was made pre shutdown, I bet so many of these actors, at least specifically Eddie Murphy and Wesley Snipes probably had deal, probably had contracts that involved getting a percentage of the box office, um, which has been a really interesting way in that like how, like I know that uh, last year when HBO Max started releasing movies, because they didn't have a theatrical run, they had to write big checks to movie stars. Like they had to do it for The Witches um, with um, Wonder uh, Woman. With, Anne Hathaway. Yeah, with mm-hmm. Anne Hathaway. Yeah. Uh, and then the, the, yeah, Gal Gadot, they had to write a $20 million check. And I know that it's become a big issue that like with all these movies they released this year, AT&T, who owns Warner, is like, no, we're not giving, we're not writing these checks anymore. Like we're technically putting them in movie theaters. So Denzel Washington's going to have to be okay with getting a $100,000 check instead of 25 million. And, and that I know has caused a big problem. So I, I think that, I think that this might stop the stars from wanting to make a movie, like to making a third movie, hmm. because I don't know that you go in wanting to make a movie that's just going to come out on Amazon because it's certainly going to affect how much money you're getting paid. And again, going back to like, 
why was this film made? It wasn't made to tell a story. Like we all agree, this movie is just checking off boxes. Yeah. And because of that, it's a like, because of that, if you take away the elements of nostalgia, it's a boring ass film. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I you, don't disagree. You yeah. need the barbershop scene. You need sexual chocolate. You know, you need so many of those elements to come back for this film to even be considered being made. And so I think that like, to have a third, if you're like, well, what's the story? Well, we didn't really get a story in the second one. Like we yeah. got, you know, we got a different version of the first film, except yeah. now Eddie Murphy yeah. is the father instead of the main character. Yeah. And whoever this, yeah. I, and, I don't, and, I don't know the actor who played the son, but like he, I didn't find him that compelling of an actor. Like, oh, you know, see, I, I, mean? I actually thought he was really compelling. No, I didn't. I don't, I don't know why, but I, I, I like that he was dude. Eager. He was eager, but an almost too eager kind of way for me. I don't know. But I, I, I think, I go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. I think the, yeah, it's exactly the same story, note for note, as mm -hmm. the, the original movie. The, the difference is they flip it upside down, where instead of it being Eddie Murphy going to America to find his bride, it's, um, and now I can't remember his name, the, uh, Eddie Murphy's son uh, in the movie, coming to Zamunda yeah. to find to basically find his life, to find his. I mean, the, the actor. The I'm just, simple. Yeah, I'm just looking up the actor now. His name's uh, Jermaine Fowler. He has really done nothing besides this year. He was in this and in Judas and the Black Messiah, which is another film I liked a whole mm -hmm. lot. And I would recommend people check out on HBO Max. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, besides that, it's just been like a series of like TV specials and, and kind of smaller things. Um, and, you know, he, again, it's one of those things like, is he good in this? I don't know. I know he's not given a lot to do, yeah. you know? And that's hard when like, he's probably as just as much screen time as Eddie Murphy does. Yeah. Yeah. Now that it, now that you're making those, all those points, I'm, I'm wondering if this film was usually, you know, pro it was probably intention for the theater because I mean, mm. we're just checking out boxes, right? We just, yeah. we're bringing in the people that people want to see. And we're just we they just wanted to get asses in the seats and, and money in their pocket. And now, just like with all the HBO properties and the and, and other movies like HBO or, or like the movies on HBO Max, uh, they're, they're sitting there collecting debt versus making money. And I, I wondered if this movie was supposed to come out in theaters and, and, and they just got to the point where it's just like, OK, we, we got to sell it to someone. Yeah, you know Let's get Amazon. we have to recoup yeah. uh, some expenses. Yeah, somehow. yeah. Right. And and to and, your, and to another point that you were saying about contracts and stuff before, uh, I know that now actors have some kind of uh, weird contact clause, uh, contract clause that says something to the effect that if for whatever reason we cannot release this movie in theaters, we will go to streaming and we will give you what whatever percentage. Yeah. When we do that, just so that when they land in this predicament, if ever again, they have a way out. Yeah. We're going to see how many actors are in it for the craft, I think, um, as opposed to, uh, let's see how many people go indie and start doing indie films. Um, but I also think that one of the things about this movie is that, you know, I like, I, I like and dislike when celebrities like Adam Sandler, Eddie Murphy, 
when they bring all their friends together, they expect us to be as invested as them. And while I am invested, I don't, th- I still need a good story. Right. And I'm not yeah. going to shit on this movie because there's nothing to shit on. It's again, it's harmless. It's not hurting anybody. But at the same time, I'm like, if you're going to make a movie with your best buddies, like wet, hot American summer, or again, clerks, things like that, at least make it a good movie for the audience because we're paying to go see it. It's not just, you know, summer camp and hanging out with your friends. Yeah. Yeah. The- let me give something to this film's credit though, which is that like this movie is a straight comedy in an era where we're seeing less and less of the, like there yeah. are very few comedies being released these days. Very pure, very few pure comedies. And Eddie Murphy, the fact that like he is bringing in this cast of comedic actors, yeah. you know, Leslie Jones and Tracy Morgan, like people who know how to hit the, Arsenio Hall, people who know how to hit their jokes, yeah. uh, you know, that it's not a movie where like the funniest guy in the movie is the rock. Uh, there's something to be said about the fact that like, this is a, that's, it's a, it's a, it's just a straight comedy piece. And that there is something also to be said that like, that it is an, it's something I brought up before that this isn't all African-American cast. Like it's an all black cast. That is a, a wonderful thing in a world where you don't see that in a movie. Like this film is doing a lot of positive things. Like I want to see more comedies and I want to see more representation in film. So like in those aspects, this film yeah. does things really well. I just wish that like, I just wish that there had been more to it. I wish there had been yeah. more script, that there had been more interesting jokes, that there would mm-hmm. have been more for, and quite frankly, there would have been more for the female characters to do it here. Like this movie right. seems to set on itself of like <clears throat> of saying, hey, look, we've got Leslie Jones and a lot of real funny guys and the other women. Well, you're just going to ha- like your job is to be pretty like, yeah. You can yeah. bring in people to tell jokes and you can give them the jokes to tell. Uh, mm-hmm. And and so like, I would, would I have liked to see this film be better? Obviously, but am I excited that this film took some of the shots it took? Yeah, I, like I'll give it, I'll give it credit for that. Yeah. 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 And, and I'm forced to wonder because if if you watch movies, movies that are specifically made like, like a Netflix movie or an Amazon movie that's specifically made by those services for the for those services there are things that you can see the way that they're shot the way that they're i'm sure even storyboarded is to make better use of a tv screen right this that's that it's your netflix has like there have been netflix di- uh uh memos that have been released that said like if you're making a netflix movie it has to look good on a phone yeah what right. oh that's yeah. horrible and but, you know, to if you watch the the good Netflix TV shows and the good Netflix movies, mm. it's more immersive because of the way that it's shot to, to take advantage of a TV screen as opposed to a cinema screen, right? This movie wasn't shot like that. And I'm forced to wonder, even though it doesn't, it, the movie doesn't have a lot of gravitas, you know? Uh, and I wouldn't even say it has a lot of visual flair to it, but I'm forced to wonder if some of the gags in this movie would have played better if it was honest on a big screen and just beating you over the face. Would would the laughs have been bigger? Uh, we'll never know. But um, I 
my instinct says yes. My instinct says that there were probably a lot of gags in this movie that if it had been on a big screen, the gag would have hit harder. It's really mm-hmm. interesting because there's so many movies that, again, we've viewed during this time where it's it's a different experience. It's a completely different experience. And I think we're just starting to recognize the ways those, you know, the way a film in a theater affects your whole body and your mind. And if you really let yourself be part of it, it's kind of transformative. Whereas being at home on your couch, I mean, again, like I said before, it, I don't care how big your TV is, it's not going to be the same. Um, and I mm. and I, I just really miss that. I, I miss that experience because, again, I think some things would be seen through a different lens if we were watching a movie in a theater, having the reactions of the people around us, the sound system alone. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. your your butt vibrates on your chair and you're like, okay. And yeah. it's like that that's going to add to your experience, whether you think that's positive or negative. Um, <laughs> it all adds to the experience. Right. And even for some people, not me personally, they have to have the popcorn and the Coke. You know, that's like the whole yeah. experience. Everything adds up into that whole thing. And I think specifically so like the the song and dance numbers in this movie. They they were unexpected, especially the the Wesley Snipes song and dance number. They oh were, man, they were that, that was my favorite. That was my favorite. Just, but yeah, they didn't exactly make me laugh out loud. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of like I'm watching it and smiling. Mm-hmm. And I, my instinct tells me is that if I was in a movie theater and that it was huge, and I'm and I'm watching Wesley Snipes and his child soldiers do do their little <laughs> dance routine, and it's you know, and it's two stories tall, and the music is loud. I'm willing to bet I probably would have would have laughed my fool head off. A hundred percent. I want to know, like from you guys, what do you think about that experience? Because like if I'm at home alone on my couch, I occasionally will laugh out loud at something if it's hysterically funny or for other reasons we won't talk about. But sometimes I laugh <laughs> at stuff, sometimes I don't. And in a theater, it just seems more acceptable, especially if you have a crowd around you that's also doing these things. Do you think that that's part of the experience too? Because I don't, you know, I'm not laughing at stuff on my couch. Even if it's really funny, I'm just usually like, huh, huh, yeah. yeah. Well, no, I mean, laughter, laughter is contagious, right? So you're like you're sitting there and whatever you're laughing at, it's just funnier you, because other people are laughing too. When you're sitting on your couch, you don't have anybody else to collect energy from. Exactly. You know, or to gauge what they're thinking, which makes me worry that people are all influencing each other all the time, because I'd hate to think I'm laughing because a stranger, you know, I'm not going to laugh at something in a theater because a stranger is laughing, but it's more, it's like, you're allowed to emote there. It's like acceptable. Mm -hmm. We can clap. We can cry in secret. Edgar cries in lots of movies. I cry at every movie. Edgar cries. Edgar, I cry at every movie. Really? Oh my God, buddies. (laughs) I cry at at trailers of movies. Yeah. All it takes takes in the trailer of a movie is if Kevin Costner is like family done. (laughs) (laughs) All I need. I'm just like, I'm like, fucking ain't right, Costner. Uh, I was, I was telling, (laughs) I told, uh, you know, not my cousin Dan that uh, I I cry at kung fu movies. I I cry at cartoons. <gasps> yeah, I cry, yeah. I cry at everything. Oh my god, so many. That's all. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's sleep deprivation. It's emotion. Just so many things combine, and it's no, no. I can't recall the last time. Like uh, on my on my Facebook page last week, I was just I did a, a bracket of all of the Pixar films, which is just 
all the times I like ugly cried in a movie theater. <laughs> like sometimes I was wearing 3D glasses. Sometimes like it was just whatever. But like, oh no, so many of those films are just Toy Story. Stars. There's I don't cry in many movies. I really don't. I'm not. I go to movies with friends with my mom often, and there's always like the tissues coming out and dramas and tears. And I'm sitting there like, what are you doing? And I, Pixar, like Toy Story. I'm sorry. I just lose it. Lose it. It just takes me right back to childhood. And I'm like, I'm old and life is short. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I just cry. I I cry at the the silliest things, though, too. Like, I mean, I cried watching WandaVision, the finale of WandaVision. I cried. I cried ugly cry. I like, I was in there like, she's never going to see him again. (laughs) Spoiler. And my wife is like, what is wrong with you? I was just like, I don't know. It's just, don't you see? There's romance there. She loves her robot, you know? And, <laughs> and your wife's like, they're there. Yeah, they're there. basically, yeah. <laughs> I hope you turned to your wife with with the tears streaming down your face and you, you will never understand me. <laughs> no, she understands me. She totally gets me. <laughs> She totally gets me, which is why she's just like, whatever. No, Dan, Dan, Dan was just doing what is essentially every 16-year-old girl and sometimes 26-year-old woman. <laughs> it is, it's a thing. But yeah, I, uh, I think that I would have enjoyed this differently for sure in the theater. But I think that, um, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm glad I watched it, but I am. Like, uh, And again, like Matt's mentioned, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it's out there. Um, so we'll see what happens. I don't know. I've got mixed feelings about Eddie Murphy over the years too. Like, again, he had this like Renaissance time and then did a lot of stuff that I felt was disappointing. And then there was the Showgirls debacle where he kind of was PO'd when he didn't win an Oscar. And you just don't walk out of That's, the room. You don't do dream that. Girls, dream girls. Dream girls. To correct you. Oh, sorry. Dream what did girls. I say? Showgirls? Show, you said Showgirls was very different. That's a different guys. Compared the lady from movie. Saved by the Bell. Showgirls <laughs> is on my brain. <laughs> completely different movie. But yeah, no, Eddie Murphy was fantastic in Dreamgirls. Like he, he was. Really- he was. But there's, you know, if you want to be nominated for something again, unfortunately, and it uh, it's just, you know, Hollywood politics, it's a game you have to play. But I think regardless, you don't just walk out when you don't win something. You clap for the other person. You sit there and you deal with it. And you're... And you, you know, s- not a sore loser. And you silently hate them in your seat. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's totally right. acceptable. Totally acceptable. Yeah. Well, man, you guys are making me miss movie theaters, man. Like, I miss I mean, them. Uh, I, I miss them so much. Oh I miss. Edgar, love... you got plenty of popcorn at home. You don't need any more popcorn. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of which, I fixed the microwave issue. I ran a cable from the basement all the way up to the second floor. No more microwave. Yeah. Yes. Edgar's got a microwave that interrupts his Wi-Fi signal and his kids have a tendency of making popcorn while we're doing podcasts. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. Context. They'll, they'll Context. make, they'll make like Edgar, 100... maybe your Edgar, maybe your kids don't like this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, my daughter keeps saying, can I listen to podcasts? I'm like, it's not a kid's podcast. You can't listen to Eddie's <laughs> podcast like for sabotage, you. Sabotage. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to keep popping popcorn until yeah. you let me listen. That, that seems fair. That's a win on her part <laughs> the only thing i really would like to have at home which is at a theater is like the pump for that butter or that's not really butter that thing would be nice yeah that, that oh no oil 
I don't like butter. I'm, I don't like butter. Really? Then I don't. Oh. I don't like. Well, let me put it this way. I don't like not butter on my popcorn. <laughs> okay. Dan the great butter. The great comedian, a friend of Dan, Louis Ryan, uh, used to oh, had yeah. a joke about working in a movie theater and talked about the butter. And he's like, I don't know what it is. I know on the box that we have to load in, it says not butter on it. Um, <laughs> it says it's it's palm oil. It's <laughs> oil. It's oily for sure. Yeah. No, I like that salt that they have at the movie theater. It's so that fine. really fine, yeah. super fine popcorn salt. Let me. Like they you, kept like grinding it. Do yeah. you enjoy these new theaters where the seats recline all the way? But no, um, I don't either. Because I an old don't need theater to sleep during a movie. Old theater by me that I swear probably hasn't been updated since like 1992. And that is my my choice almost every time. Yeah. And the boy, the boy, of course, likes the the big fancy movie theaters with with the the electric reclining chairs and stuff. And it's just like, but if I do that, I'm going to fall asleep. Exactly. <laughs> I am oh, going so to much. fall asleep. Yeah. I need to sit in pain so I can watch a movie. Also, the, the dine-in theaters, I don't need some people that are eating four-course meal to have a waitress come block my view for half of the goddamn movie. Like, no, no see, get that lady out of there. I like those theaters. You got to go to the right theater because at the theater that, like, the I, what, what is it called now? Is it called the IPIC? I forget what it's called now. But they the 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 waiter runs up to, like, you ding them, right? You, there's a little button. You hit the button. It silently calls for them. They run up to you next to you. You don't even know they're there. They're like ninjas. And then they they kneel next to you so they don't disturb anybody else. And they're like, how can I help you? <laughs> I, you know, so they that, were properly trained, unlike the woman at the place I was yeah. at. Oh, yeah, that no. and, and the other one is MovieCo, right? That's yeah. like yep, that. Yep, yep. And I like to imagine, you know, that you've got the like silent call button, right? I like to imagine that there's a room somewhere in that movie theater where they're all just sitting in there and waiting. And when somebody hits that button, it's like klaxons go off, like, like the dive bell on a submarine, like, and, and like, they all just start rushing around. Like we got an order to take, you know, I, a lady needs a satay of chicken. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am right near a movie co actually. And I still choose to go to the, the regular seat theater. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'll go to the fancy movie theater every now and then just to, just so I can watch certain movies in peace. Cause there are certain movies that you have to watch showgirls. <laughs> no dream girls, dream girls. <laughs> I like to watch showgirls in peace. <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, you go to a big blockbuster movie, there's going to be a lot of audience participation. And sometimes I'm in, I'm in for it. And sometimes I am not. If it's a comedy, I'm all for it. Let, you know, I, I don't care if the person in the movie theater is funnier than the, the people on the screen that I'll, I'll take, you know, that I can enjoy. But if I if, if there is a movie that I want to watch seriously and I know that there's going to be people messing with it while i'm watching it i'm just i'll just go to movie co or you know i pick or whatever and, and 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 drink my fancy cocktails and and eat like parmesan covered fries with 
my my little sliders and garlic aioli. Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Garlic aioli. Oh yes. Of course. You aioli. You know exactly where I go. Yes. That's exactly. <laughs> aioli where I... is what they put on the. It's in the pumper for the popcorn. <laughs> Full of aioli. <laughs> not aioli is what it is. Not, not aioli. <laughs> So Edgar, are you are you saying there's other theaters you sometimes go to where people like to yell and talk at the screen? There, that there, that theater is the theater I go to that might not be there when I go back to theaters. But uh, yes, when I go to a movie theater, there's you know, especially it depends on the hour too. But you know, the likelihood of people yelling at the screen and, and you're going to like the 11 30 showings. Sometimes I have to. Sometimes yeah. I have to. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and sometimes I want to. And and there are other times it's just like no, you know. Yeah. yeah. I, I will <laughs> always, always prefer the good old fashioned non-reclining polyester upholstered sticky floor movie theaters. As always. long as the chair's not broken. Because if it's and, like half ass to the yeah. left, oh, yeah. I can't deal with that. <laughs> Man, my ass that? is like this. My ass is even. It doesn't sag to the left side. It's just like sometimes you get that chair right in a packed theater <laughs> and you can't move and your friend yeah. is certainly not going to give you their I, seat. So you spend the whole movie kind of like, yeah. I'm uncomfortable as fuck. I got, <laughs> I got that chair when we went to see Schindler's List and uh, that... <laughs> It was not a good movie to be like fidgeting around. No, no. Matt's, Matt's dying to say something. Matt is trying. I feel like someone keeps hearing dance chairs. We're like, why is this guy trying to leave? That movie? <laughs> like you're gonna stand. To, and be, to like, be fair, I like was you're gonna stand what, up like, and be like, not for me. <laughs> I think I was like twelve or fourteen when Schindler's List came out. Hey, look, oh however God. you want to excuse your behavior. <laughs> there really are those movies, though. I remember like super drama, like dramatic films where you go and you'd be in a crappy seat and there's you can hear a pin drop in the theater and you don't want to be the one to like fuck that up. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're moving in your chair. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> Basically. Yeah, you can't sit straight. You got one spring pushing you over. <laughs> I just think it's funny that we miss like broken chairs and sticky floors and, you know, oil in a pump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what was the name of that movie theater on North and Clark? It wasn't. North and Clark. Was that Century City? Because last time I, I last time no. I said it was Piper's Alley, which also no. which does Century happen City to be diverse. Yeah, it's it happens it has it, it happens to be there too. But no, this is yeah. closer to like Lakeshore Drive, and oh. it was like a little tiny theater, and they used to have midnight showings of all kinds of stuff. And I saw kung fu movies at that theater. Oh, was it midnight. near Northern Wells? I think so. Yes. I know what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about? They used to well, show all kinds I don't know of if it's um the sign I know is still there, like the signage, the old sign, but uh it's been closed for a million years. I'll find it. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I think Century City, I think, used to have a giant mural of Pope John Paul II on the side of the building. What? When I was a little kid, a long mm -hmm. time ago, because I'm old. But uh, I, I remember it specifically because that's where we went to see Return of the Jedi. 
when I was a little kid. Wow. And there was a, I don't know if the, if the mural was on the side of the movie theater or if it was just on a, the side of a building adjacent to it. But there was a huge mur- mural of Pope John Paul II. <laughs> I, I know, your favorite movie-going pope, obviously. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> hey, Pope John Paul II was a big thing for my family. He was Polish. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, and, and that was a big, big deal. <laughs> <laughs> my was. grandparents were, like, in reverence. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I have, yeah, I'm very Polish family. We're, they were just like, that's the guy. Yeah, that's our guy. Then we he got died. Marie Curie and that guy. And he died, and they're like, "I was German guy. What's up with that?" And then they found out that it was youth Nazi stuff. They're like, "We told you so." <laughs> <laughs> we knew. Yeah, I don't think you know. You had you had Pope John Paul II before before him by a number of years. You had good Pope John, who brought in Vatican II. Nobody is ever going to remember Benedict as good Pope Benedict. No, no, not with, not with the hit not happening. Life, you know, no. So other takes on coming to America. Um, I mean, uh, I, I will recommend people to watch it, but don't expect to be, you know, to be wowed out of you know, and, and, well, and see unbelievable performances. I think it's worth watching. I think it's fun. And yeah, I, I, harmless, I harmless, harmless, harmless. Yes. Good point by Matt. There's uh, one point where this movie falls down. This movie is not going to bring younger people into the coming to America universe. Very this, true. This movie was made for people in their forties, mm-hmm. maybe people in their fifties who remember, you know, you, who remember the movie. Do you think movie. it's trying though? And then that's no, I don't it, think it's trying to. I think it does a little, which I think is why they give. I think it's why they put in those new characters. I also think yeah. it's why they let his son rap for no reason whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, yeah, that, that, was that felt like a choice that old people make. They're like, what do kids like? Rapping? Okay. Like, uh, <laughs> my mom and my dad, king and the queen. It was just like, no. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I don't. So I think like maybe they were trying. And again, I think that something that we talked about earlier, I think that if you hope that this fil- the film was going to spawn more films, like you need younger people yeah. come, you need younger people in your audience. And so you need them in your cast. If that um, was the case, they needed to, they needed to cast someone as the son or the love interest who was at least somewhat recognizable because they weren't to me anyway. I mean, the, the girl is known as a singer, but I feel like if they had a really be- big name in one of those spots, mm that maybe that would have brought in the younger audience. But again, we don't really know. There might be kids watching this on Netflix because they are on Prime because they ain't got shit else to do. Who knows? Mm-hmm. I have one point I have to make. It's not my point, but I got to bring it up. And Dan, you brought this up to me. You said, why haven't they used a paternity test? <laughs> yeah, no point. Like, At no point <laughs> was there a paternity test done. At no point. It was yeah. just we, we, and that bothered me. A lot. Yeah, probably, he was texting. He's like, "Don't these guys know what paternity tests are?" Like, up, what the, up until like Maury Povich be a guest star. <laughs> up, up until like the third act, it bothered me, and I was I was fully expecting that that's where the movie was going to go. Yes, was, was that there's there's some kind of oh he's not actually yep. my son kind of twist, yep. and then they but they never resolved that they and. and you know, eventually I got to a point where it's just like, no, it's not important. 
the story is this guy is the illegitimate son of, of uh, Eddie Murphy and take it as written. That's that. That's it. We don't need a paternity test. It was a yeah. little distracting, though, because I was mm-hmm. too thinking that that's where it was leading. And then when it didn't, I was like, OK, I'll just get back on board with what's happening right now. And also, does Zamunda not have any military or security infrastructure whatsoever? They don't need them. They got the three girls. They got With the princesses. Sticks. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but but like General Izzy is just like walking in and taking over the palace with like three guys and uh, and the whole movie like they're they're going around. They when when they go to New York, it's not like they have some kind of security entourage. They're just hanging out in a limo, you know. Uh, it not really something worth getting hung up on in this movie. But it did make me think about it. There were plenty of holes and things that didn't make sense that I just kind of let slide by, I feel like. Yeah, I I like to kind of just, you know, let the suspension of disbelief just continue on with, you know, they're like, okay, sure. Okay, no paternity test. All right, whatever. But Dan, that, that, you know, as soon as something like that pops up, Dan is like, what is, why isn't there a paternity (laughs) test? Who wrote this shit? (laughs) I, I get hung up on stuff like that. Well, and I, I guess they're also web sleuths too. <laughs> yeah, About... <laughs> yeah, we had no. another we had another podcast yeah. where he lost his ship about web sleuths. And... Dan, Dan has many opinions, as I'm sure you are very aware. <laughs> uh, indeed, Dan. I think that's just the way to ship. That's like I think this is your code of being like. I had lots of time to think about other things in this movie, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. And then, like, I wasn't yeah. entertained with what we were being given. So, like, mm-hmm. now I'm, I can find these things. I mean, I guess if I were giving final thoughts, like, is this movie the best comedy I've seen this year? No. And quite frankly, there's a better comedy on Prime. There's a better sequel on Prime that I like that Borat movie, uh, a considerable deal, a uh, subsequent movie film. Yeah. Um I think that's a really fun, weird, interesting film that I think is trying to do different uh, things from the original. Uh, And so, you know, but I think that, again, if you're watching it how I watched it, like on a tired Saturday morning, like, yeah, there are worse things that you that you could be doing. And I certainly and as we talked about before, I don't think that it has deserved this ridiculous amount of outrage that has gotten because again like the film's not do it's not doing anything if it were offensive i get that it would be bad or if it yeah Yeah. or like you know or if it were trying to be a straight drama or if it were trying to somehow replicate on the success of black panther like i would understand that these things it does you know this movie gave me there are genuine laughs in this movie james earl jones being the voiceover for znn the zumunda news network that's a funny joke like that joke (laughs) works yep Yeah, and so and, I think that there are there are things you can appreciate in this movie, and you know there are things in the movie there that that I can absolutely see somebody being like, well, that ain't right, you know, some th- things that might be easy to take offense at, if you don't think about them in term in the terms of the the whole movie, the whole universe is set up to poke fun at yeah. those things, you mm. know. Um, and you should know that going in. I don't think anyone's turning this on, you know, and not knowing anything about it. And if they are, yeah. they're going to be confused. Well, we're approaching about an hour 30. You guys uh, kind of want to top this off now? 
I think that's yeah. I'm oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Emily's already asleep. <laughs> Can we uh, start calling Emily not my cousin Emily? Not my cousin. <laughs> we, we could we could do that. It doesn't roll. It doesn't kind of roll off the tongue like not my cousin Dan. But maybe it's just because I'm used to saying not my cousin Dan now. So you, when did you come up with that? Was well, that like when you first became closer with Dan? Or it was a default thing. It, it, yeah, we needed like I just introduced him once as not my cousin Dan because I have a cousin Dan on the show. Obviously, yeah. And then it just I just kept calling him that. It's like, what do we call him? <laughs> not my cousin Dan. And then I asked him at one point, I was just like, Can we call you something else? And he's like, No, let's just keep going with not my cousin Dan. I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you should have called me Filbert Timkins. No, I think I think Filbert. I don't know if Matt remembers this. Filbert Timkins is. I used to use that name when I went to open mics. I do remember that. That's hilarious name. As opposed to using my real name, I'd put the name Filbert Timkins. Is it because you were such a celebrity that I don't remember you being that you were just (laughs) no? I don't. I'm trying to remember why I started doing that. Oh, I mean, you do it because, you know, you want to keep your work life and your comedy life separate. Right? I, I, mean, I don't know. No, it had nothing. I think it was just me being wacky. <laughs> uh, honestly. People have asked my name before and I've given them a fake name. It's just something sometimes I like to do. What's the fake name you give people? Oh, lots of different names. But then I have to remember what I said. <laughs> well let's be let's be fair when's the last time i've talked to a stranger in a social situation right <laughs> now with me emily that's the oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i introduced you so <laughs> are you wearing a they might be giants shirt i am it's uh it's their uh-huh. flood the last um it's fun. One of the last things that uh, I did in the outside world is uh, we went to see them uh, play Flood for their 20th anniversary in its entirety. Uh, and that was like the last, there was the last tour date they had before they stopped performing. And it was my wife and my, my son. And at the time, my unborn son. So it was the whole family. We went and we had a real good time. Aww. Fantastic. Wow. I was supposed to go to that. That I mean, concerts, theaters, all this stuff, I'm just like aching, aching, aching for. But at the same time, I realize I don't think I'm ever going to be in a mosh pit again. So <laughs> not that I was frequently, but I think I'll be standing off to the side in an outdoor venue. <laughs> uh, I I used to love going to concerts. Maybe like 10 years ago, I just kind of fell out of it because I kind of got to a point where, you know, I'm, I'm old and I, I was kind of born old and I got to a point where I kind of realized while I was at a concert, like I, I don't like 99% of people who are younger than me <laughs> and I don't like 99% of people who are older than me. And really when it comes down to it, I don't like 99% of people who are not me. I'm not going to free people, just people. Having to be in a room where like I'm, being touched by people who I, you know, it sort of fell out, but I have, I have a, if we have like a few more minutes, I have a great story. My favorite concert story ever. He has to end every podcast with a story. Please. please. It came up and now this is, this is like my favorite concert story ever. If you, if you want to hear it. I I Um, mean, I have time, Matt. Do you have time? I I have a couple more minutes. Yes. All right. All right. So this was a long time ago. And I went to see a show at the Double Door. And the bill 
was the Trashingtons, which was a local band and uh, middle band was a band called the head cat. Didn't know anything about them. And then Dick Dale was the headliner. And so my girlfriend at the time and I went to the double door for this show. We got the tickets because I was friends with the guys in the Trashingtons. And we went and we, you know, watched the Trashington show. And yeah, it was great. And then we're kind of just hanging out at the bar talking about, you know, do we want to hang out for the head cat or maybe we'll, we'll just go and come back because we didn't know anything about the band. Right. And we were like, you know, we're already here. Let's just stay here have a few beers and, and, and see, see if they're any good. So while we're at the bar, I'm, I have a beer. My girlfriend has a beer. We're looking at each other. And all of a sudden she's looking over my shoulder and her eyes get really, really, really big. And I'm like, what? And she just kind of leans up to me. She's like, there's a guy behind you that looks just like Lemmy, uh, Lemmy Kilmister from Motorhead. There's a guy behind you that looks just like Lemmy. And so I turned around and there, there's a guy right behind me, looks exactly like Lemmy. I mean, spitting image. And so I just say to the guy, dude, you look just like Lemmy. And he just, he doesn't say anything. He just smiles and he clinks my beer with his, turns around and walks away. So about, you know, 20 minutes later, the lights go down and they start announcing the head cat's going to come out. And the head cat turns out to be a band that is Slim Jim Phantom from uh, Stray Cats and Danny B. Harvey from Brian Setzer Orchestra and frontman is Lemmy Kilmister. <laughs> and there's Lemmy. He walks out and that is indeed the guy who looked just like Lemmy. Wow. So I told Lemmy he looks just like him. <laughs> I like that you didn't like weren't convinced that it was you know, like you questioned, like he just looks like him. Like I think if I saw, I mean, you see like that, people like, like that. You, it's him. You go to shows and it's just like, like why would Lemmy be there? You know, and, and you see, there are a lot of people that that love to look like their 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 stars. You know, true. And and uh, I mean, I'd never met Lemmy before. <laughs> you know, so. But you told anyway. him something he really needed to know. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> he thought it was great, so. There you go. Oh, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna have to come with a good concert story next time. I've got a good one with Chris Cornell. I'll tell you guys. Oh, yeah. Cool. R.I.P. R.I.P. Double Dar. R.I.P. Chris Cornell. R.I.P. Everything. <laughs> <laughs> On that note. And that note. So, uh, Matt, you want to plug anything before we take off? Oh, sure. You can follow me on uh, Twitter. I'm at I hate Matt Drefke. That's D-R-U-F-K-E. You can visit the blog, uh, fancyboysclub.com. It's myself and a bunch of other uh, wonderful writers who talk about all kinds of different things. I'm starting a part, I think, I don't know when this comes out, but on Thursday, part three of my uh, ever-expanding Oscar coverage comes out. I should probably do 20 or so articles by the time we get to the Oscars. Um, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff you check out there. If you like baseball, if you like sports or politics or any of those things, uh, always good stuff to cover there. So FancyBoysClub.com and the Twitter at FancyBoysClub. And something about the Fancy Boys Club, just to throw it out there, and this is going to be incredibly fair to everybody else who's part of the Fancy Boys Club, but Jordan Holmes writes these amazing posts. Oh, yeah. Where Jordan gets analytical about things that do not need to be analyzed to a degree (laughs) 
that that I mean, it's like every post is a doctoral thesis. Yeah, you'd have and, and, and it's and it's amazing. You'd have to go back to find it a little. But Jordan, uh, before Christmas, had never intentionally heard a Taylor Swift song, and he took it upon himself to listen to her entire catalog. I just oh. Googled him, and that's the first thing that came up. Yeah, Jordan is uh, <laughs> is one of my favorite people, and uh, I adore him. And yeah, it's a, it's a lot of good content, and we have a lot of fun doing it. So check it out if you have a moment. I, I always quite and the internet. Jordan, Jordan Holmes. Uh, so shout out to Jordan Holmes. I'm still alive. I hope you're still alive, because I love you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Matt, for coming on, man. Oh, it was thank great you for having, having me. You. Oh, thank you. I really had a lot of fun. Yeah, well, you got to come back. You got to come back sometime, man, whenever you I can. I would love that. I'd love that. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much, Not My Cousin Dan. We will catch you next time, guys. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. But then the sky reached my mind. And when I space out, I see the possibilities. The song you're listening to is called The Winner, and that's by Tape Machines and Frigga. If you like this song or anything else I've ever played on the podcast, you can hit my referral link in the description. Any new sign-ups or anything you purchase at the Epidemic Sound website will give us a nice little kickback. Man, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I, You, you know I did. I mean, I'm sure you heard me laughing the whole time. So, um, Matt Drufke, very funny guy. Uh, you can find him at I Hate Matt Drufke on Twitter. And you can also find him over at the fancyboysclub.com. He writes for that website. He does amazing content there. Okay, guys, if you like the podcast, head on over to theflowrollpodcast.com. Buy yourself a throw pillow, get yourself a mug, support the podcast, and check out the rest of our content. Also, follow us on Instagram as theflowroll. Don't worry about writing this stuff down. I'll have links and everything in the description. All right, guys. Well, thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll catch you next time. Bye.